Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Echo Park, a new beginning, let's go. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Baby says she wanna go to the game. Taught her how to say Padre Gang. Started back rocking the brown. Ever since we've been knocking them down. Mitchell and Ness with the old school name. All of the homies call it Padre Gang. Yeah, that's the- What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 193 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I am your host, Ben Fadden, coming to you after the San Diego Padres drop both games of their two-game set to the Seattle Mariners. Boy, that series was tough to watch, this little two-game set. I was at yesterday's game, just watched today's game, and the Padres, you want to sum up the series? Sure, Manaya pitched bad yesterday, but you want to sum up the series using one stat? Here it is. The Padres combined to go 1-for-17 with runners in scoring position in these two games. 1-for-17, they went 1-for-11 with runners in scoring position today. The offense is just not good enough, and that's where uh, we can start. This episode is brought to you by Gaglione Bros, famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries, located inside Petco Park during the Padres season by the Valley Sports pre- and post-game booth and in Mission Gorge and Point Loma during the Padres season. You can visit gaglionbros.com to be their entire menu, the phone numbers, the addresses, all of that. Hope everyone's doing as well as they could be. Uh, the Padres have lost eight of their last ten games now, and if the Dodgers win tonight, they'll be six and a half back in the division. Dodgers playing the Rockies, so things aren't going great in Padre land. Good news, uh, if you want to look at it, Glass half full, at least going forward. Still got Fernando, who's out, coming back at some point. He was in the outfield today. And then immediate, you know, positive outlook, I guess, is Joe Musgrove's on the mound on Thursday against the Giants in that series opener. And the Giants haven't been playing great baseball. But it's kind of hard to look at anything glass half full right now when you're seeing the poor defensive play, because that's what it's been these last few games and, you know, going back to the Diamondbacks choking the six, nothing lead and Hosmer making the bad decision to throw to second with Abrams playing in the outfield to start the play. And you go to Dodger stadium and Azokar having those messed up uh, catches, just dropping balls. Then you go to uh, what was that Sunday's game? Hosmer letting the ball hit the mound when he was calling it, go to yesterday, Hosmer looking the opposite direction where the ball is when he's trying to pick the ball. And then today, Trent Grisham lets a ball go over his head, and Eric Cosmer, instead of going towards the ball on a throw from Luis Garcia, 
He instead stays where he is, and he has his left foot farthest away possible from where Garcia's throw is coming from, uh, right on the bag. His foot's on top of the bag instead of, you know, on the side of the bag where he's supposed to be lunging towards the ball. So he still doesn't know how to play first base like a regular human. So I just talked a lot about the defense, uh, but the offense, you know, one for 17, I'll say it again. Um, you know, it's a, uh, a pretty good way to describe this series is the word embarrassing. And that's what Sham and I used yesterday after his really bad start. And we can start with Monday's game where the Padres lost eight to two and Sham he didn't give the Padres a chance to win the game because he gave up four earned runs, wasn't throwing enough strikes. And he'll say that himself, but the Padres offense still wasn't good enough. They got shut out through the first eight innings and didn't score until Trent Grisham hit a home run that didn't matter a two run home run in the ninth inning, you know, um, 38 strikes from an eye yesterday, 33 balls in the top of the fourth. Julio Rodriguez got him for a huge home run to the Western metal building. Absolutely smashed it. Top six, uh, their catcher Cal rally, I think is his name. He cleared the bases with a double off the wall when I was, I was at this game. So I had a, I thought I had a pretty good view of it. I, I thought the ball was gone. Instead hit the top uh, of that right center field wall and cleared the bases, that definitely blew the game open. And earlier in that inning, Haas looked away as he tried to scoop the ball, so that play ended up costing the Padres. Um, frankly, I mean, I feel like every episode, every series reaction, I could go off on Hosmer about his defense, but it is just getting old right now. Like on my Twitter account, at Talking Friars, I'll continue posting the bad, well, it's not a highlight, it's a low light. I'll keep posting those and all the bad plays that he makes. Uh, and I'll continue, I guess, clowning him there uh, and just being negative towards him there. But, you know, me being negative towards him right now, like that's not going to do anything. Uh, and I, I'm just, it's hard to have the energy for it because it's nothing new when you see him, you know, missing these picks and calling for balls and letting it drop on the mound and, throwing to the wrong bases and not looking at balls when he's trying to pick them and, you know, trying to catch balls in the middle of the base path. You just get, you're mentally drained from it. And frankly, yeah, the defense hasn't been good, but when you, do, when you can't score runs, you score a combined four runs in this series and Seattle scores 14, you're not going to win the series. Um, so, yeah. Uh, San Diego's offense in yesterday's game on Monday – on July 4th, they didn't get their first hit until the fourth inning when Crony came through with the single to left field. Um, you know, Bob Melvin, what I liked, him and Manaya. Manaya, like I mentioned, he called his start embarrassing, and it was. One, it felt like it was 100 degrees at the game yesterday. And then on top of it, he wasn't throwing strikes. I mean, he threw more strikes than balls, but obviously you're going to do that. He wasn't throwing enough strikes, clearly. Four walks, it felt like 20. Um, and, you know, people were complaining about Bruce Dreckman's strike zone and all that, and that actually favored the Padres by more than a run. So pretty terrible, but it actually favored us. Uh, I'm not going to focus on the umpire too much. I wasn't watching the game on TV, so I can't really give my thoughts on that. Um, but the offense didn't show up, wasn't in the game from – 
the get-go because Manaya just wasn't solid. He's going to have clunkers every once in a while. doesn't mean I'm worried about him. Um, and, you know, one of the questions on the pregame show today, one of the questions that I had, and I was just talking to myself a little bit, just asking myself out loud, like, why was Nabil Chrismat in the game, like, in that ninth inning, top nine, and he threw that inning? He didn't give up any runs, but, like, why not pitch a position player there? I think they were down 8 nothing at that one point because that was before Grisham's two-run home run in the bottom of the ninth. Why have Chris Matt pitch there? You know, get him some work. Okay, well, you could have saved him for today, you know. I don't know if – I don't know where he would have been used today. Maybe you don't have to throw Taylor Rogers, who gave up, I think, a couple runs today. That didn't make sense. Just throw a position player out there when you're down. You've already taken Manny out of the game in the middle of the game. Uh, you have Abrams coming in and playing short, I think. I don't think he started yesterday. So just nothing went right yesterday. And what I did like, though, with Bob Melman's comments, and this is totally opposite of Jace Tingler, is he shot? He fired shots at his team. And not necessarily in a bad way, but just calling them out in public and saying, hey, this needs to get better. He was talking about how the defense was sloppy, and he discussed it in meetings with players uh, before the game, and it's the coaching staff's job to make that improvement and get these players to stop playing sloppy. That obviously didn't happen today. We saw that with Grisham. We saw that with Hosmer. It's going to take a lot of work with Hosmer. Uh, I think that him being sloppy at first base, that's just the way he plays first base. I still will never understand why he does some of the things that he does at first base. That's pretty much, I think that's unfixable. Like at this point, he's stuck in his ways. Same with hitting. He swung at a 3-0 pitch today that I don't think was even a strike, grounded it to second base. And that was the one of the time, that was one of the ways the Padres scored today was through an Adam Frazier error. 3-0 pitch, swings at it, grounds it right to second base. It's an easy out. And Adam Frazier bobbles it, and Cronenworth, who got on base by a walk, by the way, same with Voigt, the at-bat after that, they get on base with walks, and Crony scores from second base on an error. That's one of the ways the Padres scored today. And I know I'm, I was talking about Monday's game, and I'm jumping ahead to today, but that just came into my mind. Like, it's un, some of the stuff that Hosmer does, it's unfixable. Like, he has to change his approach, or the Padres are just going to have to live with the bad defense, and like we've seen for three and a half years, you can date it all the way back to the Houston Astros uh, game where Bregman popped it up in Houston and Hosmer's standing right under it and he lets it fall behind him. Uh, there was that other 4th of July game. I see that picture all the time a, f- a couple years ago uh, where he didn't know where the ball was. Guess what? Yesterday, 4th of July game on the pick from the Manny throw. Doesn't look at it when he's picking it and – the ball, he's looking this way, and the ball's behind him. Just looks like a complete idiot. Like, I mean, yeah. Saul asked, how the heck did Hosmer win two gold gloves? Because he was playing on a really good Royals team, and maybe there weren't other any other viable options. And maybe he was picking everything then. But he, what he did then, whatever he did in Kansas City, and all those Hosmer protectors, saying, oh, this guy, 
World Series champion. He's been to multiple World Series, All-Star, All-Star MVP, uh, Gold Gloves, uh, World Baseball Classic champion. All that doesn't matter. It means absolutely nothing now because he hasn't done it with the Padres. He hasn't done anything living up to his contract with the Padres. Has he been clutch in some situations, in some games? Yeah. But you thought that maybe, well, some fans. I didn't personally because I looked at the trends. I know that Hosmer's an April guy. But there were literally people I saw on Instagram, there were people posting Eric Hosmer apology forms. And it's like, come on, Padre fans, you got to fill this out. Why? You're, it's April. It's May like 10th and you're putting these things out. How about you wait until we're in the middle of the summer and see if Eric Hosmer is still performing? And that's not what he's doing. It's just, I mean, I, I could continue going on and on about him, but at this point, it's just kind of tiring. I'll mention it when I need to, like I just did, but going off at him, uh, I guess I'll just save that for the highlights I post and or let the highlights or the lowlights um, speak for themselves. And so what I did like, did I talk about, I don't know if I talked about this with Melvin, uh, him calling the defense sloppy and he's disgusted already with the team. That's totally opposite of what Jace Tingler would do in his press conferences. He wouldn't hold people accountable. He would say, oh, no, I love the way the guys have battled. I put that tweet out today, uh, this morning on uh, Twitter. You know, just talking about how opposite Bob Melvin's messages to the media are from Jace Tingler. And so all those people, and what my point is, all those people that say, oh, this is a collapse. It's not a collapse. Yes, I know they're 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games, but it's not a collapse. It's a rough patch. Manny Machado is coming back from an injury. Should he even be playing right now? That's probably a worthy question. Uh, he's going to say, yes, I should be playing right now. I should be playing better. I should hit the freaking ball instead of striking out a million times. I'm just saying that's probably his attitude. I'm not bashing Manny. Don't get me wrong. Um, sure, has he not been the Manny that he was earlier this year? Of course. But I know that he's battling through injuries uh, and toughing that out. So I, I really hesitate to get on him too much. Um, but that's probably what he would say is, I need to play better. There are tons of people that need to be playing better. Um, but this isn't a collapse. It's just a rough stretch. They don't have Fernando Tatis Jr. It's totally different from last year. Last year they collapsed after the, the trade deadline had passed. A.J. Preller didn't fill any needs. You knew... The, the Padres knew they needed starting pitching. They didn't get any. And then that same day after the trade deadline, Chris Paddock gets hurt and Ryan Weathers gets shelled against the Rockies. I was at that game, you know, and it went downhill from there. You had Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez starting games. This year, and Tatis was healthy, by the way. This year, Tatis hasn't played a game yet. Manny is not fully healthy. He's probably just getting stronger as days go on. Uh, they're without Drew Pomerantz. They're without Will Myers. Um, they're without Jose Castillo, Michelle Baez. They got a lot of guys coming back. Uh, Pierce Johnson. There are a lot of guys coming back in that bullpen. Morhone, that's another one who's going on a rehab assignment today. They got guys coming back. And it's a rough stretch. Yes, right now they're 11 games over 500. Should they be, you know, 14 games over 500? Probably. But you got to take 11 games over 500 right now. Sure, am I pissed off? Of course. 
but it's not a collapse. I still believe in the team. I, you know, Manaya is allowed to have a clunker every once in a while. He's had a couple clunkers this year, but the rest of the time he's given quality starts. Clev gave up, I think, four runs today. Okay, go look at the last three games that he's pitched. He's pitched amazing. Go look at the Arizona start where he, what, seven, seven shutout innings or something like that? The Bob Brunley game? You know, guys are allowed to have, you know, a couple bad games. Yeah, the offense is embarrassing, and the offense needs additions. I want to make that clear as well. Like, it's a rough stretch. I think some guys in the offense, like Manny, uh, Abrams is getting more comfortable. We'll get to him in a little bit. Uh, Guys do need to hit better. But at the same time, there are some people in this lineup that should not be in the starting lineup come August 3rd, the day after the trade deadline, right? I think that's pretty clear. I'm not saying, and you know, the trade deadline, you know, getting Ramon Laureano, getting um, Mancini or Ian Happ or guys like that. Sure. That would be great, but I'm even just thinking about, I mean, I talked about it on the last series reaction episode, just bringing up Esther Ruiz and trying him in center field over Trent Grisham. Or when you have Tatis come back, who should be coming back around the trade deadline, you have him in center field. He was taking, Balls and center fly balls in center field earlier today. So that's an option. Or you can have him at shortstop and you put Esther Ruiz out there in center field and try him over Trent Grisham. I, I think it's smart to bring him up now so you can give him a few weeks before Tatis comes back. So you can see what your best option would be. Put Ruiz in center field and have Tatis at shortstop. Or if Ruiz doesn't work and Grisham continues to not work, maybe you have Tatis play center field. And Abrams getting more comfortable in the big leagues, maybe you put him at shortstop, Crony at second, Hosmer at first. Or you bring up Eggy Rosario and put Eggy Rosario at second base. If you don't want Kim in the lineup or Abrams in the lineup, you don't want Hosmer in the lineup, you could put Crony over to first. Like, There's a lot of different situations that could occur, different options that A.J. Preller and Bob Melvin have, and they have time to work it out. I'd just like to see some of those moves happen sooner rather than later Uh, because, yeah, it's a rough stretch, and you don't want this rough stretch to turn into a collapse. You know, It's not a collapse right now. I'm going to continue to repeat that. For anyone that thinks it's a collapse, go look at last year. You obviously weren't watching last year. Last year was a collapse. This is a rough stretch where the offense isn't hitting, You know, and some guys are having clunker starts. That's my view on that. Moving to Tuesday's game, uh, pregame, the Padres uh, had uh, – I saw this. I don't know if you guys saw this. I tweeted this out. A fan at the game posted a picture. They weren't even talking about the Jumbotron. But uh, they had a – inadvertently on the Jumbotron, or the picture inadvertently showed the Padres, you know, advertising for 2023 season tickets. And it said – like there was like the barcode or whatever, or the whatever it's called, you know, the, the QR code where people can scan and sign up for 2023 season tickets, become a member. My family already is, but that's what it showed. And the player in that same picture on the Jumbotron was none other than Joe Musgrove. And if you're putting Joe Musgrove up on the 2023 season ticket advertisement, isn't that false uh, or leading your fans in the wrong direction or misleading your fans. If you don't bring them back in an extension, like I don't want to read too much into that because it's just an ad, but that would be wrong for the Padres to 
have that add up and not have Joe Musgrove on the team and say, you know, Joe Musgrove is going to be on the team 2023 season tickets. Here you go. Scan the QR code for 2023 season tickets. Become a member. Joe Musgrove's on the screen here. Oh, oh, but he's going to be on the Red Sox next year. You know, there's some another team. Obviously, you get my point. Like that doesn't make sense. They could have gone with the safe pick, put Manny up there, put Tatis up there, you know, but put Cronenworth up there, but they put Musgrove up there. So do they know something we don't? Uh, I know that's probably the marketing people that are doing that, so they probably don't know. Um, But it's something that I observed and just threw it out there. Uh, Moving to Tuesday's game, Padres lost 6-2 to today. They're now 47-36. and uh, they had a lot of offensive opportunities. Like I said, at the beginning of this episode, one for 11 with runners in scoring position in the bottom of the second, they had the bases loaded with no outs. Voight got out, grounded out. Grisham flew out. Abrams flew out. Couldn't get the job done. Top of the third, t- uh, Sam Haggerty solo home run to right field bullet uh, off, uh, Clev that made it one, nothing bottom third Cronenworth and Voight walked. Hosmer swung at a 3-0 pitch. It should have been a ground out to second base. I was still kind of pissed off at him uh, after. Why are you swinging at a 3-0 pitch that's not inside the strike zone? Because if I remember correctly, it wasn't inside the strike zone. Anyway, he's swinging at that pitch, grounds out, but Adam Frazier gifts Eric Hosmer first base. Cronenworth scores on the air, and that made it 1-1. But in the top of the fourth, Dylan Moore Two RBI uh, double down the left field line, and then Sam Haggerty was back at it. An RBI single to right made it 4-1 Mariners, and they wouldn't look back. They scored two more runs uh, in the ninth. J.P. Crawford hit a catchable ball to center field, and Trent Grisham, does, you know, lost. He, he was lost in center field. Don't know what he was doing. There was a ball earlier in the game where it was just a bloop single, and he went back on it first and then came in. Don't know what he was doing there. And then in this ninth inning, ninth inning, right? Yeah, top nine. He like runs sideways to the left, and then it goes behind his his head. It goes over his head. He just looks lost out there. Sure, he had a home run on July 4th yesterday. Had a home run in that Dodger series on, was that Friday? Whenever that was. Cool. But, uh, you know, hitting home runs every once in a while, being casual on defense. Um, I haven't – I think I said on a pregame show, was it yesterday? It might have been yesterday at the game. I was like, I don't want to get on Grisham too much. He's just a better outfielder than all of us, and he knows what he's doing out there. But now it's like, you know, watching the game yesterday, being at the game yesterday, and he has the, there's that single to, to center. Julio Rodriguez gets to third base because Grisham's – Fields it relaxed, really relaxed, and then all of a sudden he urgently has to throw it to third instead of throwing it to third automatically. Relax there, catching balls at his hip. My mom gets mad at that even when he makes the catch. I don't, I'm not, I don't make a big deal out of that. But catching balls at his hip, uh, going back casually on balls, and then you know when you get lost on stuff like this, uh, he looks lost. That's troubling. And Esther Ruiz, he's making really good plays in El Paso in center and right. I think he's played all three outfield positions. You know, it's kind of like – I'm not saying Grisham needs to be sent down. I saw that from some people on Twitter. I don't think Grisham needs to be sent down because I think he's a better 
offensive threat than Jose Azokar. But I think sending Jose Azokar down, who made some pretty bad mistakes at Dodger Stadium this past weekend, sending him down and bringing up Esther Ruiz, I don't see how that can hurt the team. Esther Ruiz is a better offensive threat, I think, than Jose Azokar. Put him in center field defensively. See how he does. It doesn't hurt. Grisham's not providing much offensively. You look at his stat cast numbers, and I don't know if this is taking into, into account today's game, but this is according to Baseball Savant, his stat cast numbers. Average exit velocity, 7th percentile, so terrible. Barrel percentage, 38th percentile. Um, strikeout percentage, 25th percentile. Hard hit percentage, he's not hitting the ball hard at all. 6th percentile. Slug, X slugging. 15th percentile. You know, it's it's not good. Not good at all. He's hitting 186 this year. He's not stealing bases. His OPS is 616. You liked it. You'd like it to be over 700. His his major league career slugging percent or OPS, excuse me, is uh 723. It's 616 this year. Just not the same guy. His exit velocity is a little higher, um, but it's still, you know, it's not a full season's worth. His average, or that's his max exit velocity. His average exit velocity is, it's in the bottom 7% of the league, according to Baseball Savant. Hard hit percentage in the bottom 6% of the league. He's striking out 25.7% of the time. He's not walking a ton. His launch angles down from last year compared to last year in 2020 and 19. Like, give Esther Ruiz that shot. Uh, I don't see why the Padres should keep Esther Ruiz down. You know, and like I mentioned earlier, you got Fernando Tatis Jr. taking fly balls in center field. He's going to come back probably in a month. Maybe a little less than that. Hopefully a little less than that. This should be the time where you experiment with Esther Ruiz in center field. You try it out. You see if it works. If it works in center field, maybe that allows you to put Tatis at shortstop, where he's probably happiest. If it doesn't work out, you can put him in center field because he's taking fly balls in center field. And you could put Abrams at shortstop, which is what I would do. You could put Kim at shortstop as well which they will do a little bit. They're not going to have Abrams play every day. And Abrams is a lefty, Kim's a righty, so they could do it that way, platoon a little bit. Um, maybe kind of like when Myers and uh, comes back with Mazzara in right field. So there's options, but I think right now is the time to experiment, try things. Two and eight in the last ten games. It's not a collapse yet, like I've said already multiple times in this episode, but it's a bad stretch. How are you going to get out of that bad stretch? Maybe make a change or two. Try something. It won't hurt to try. What else is there to talk about in this game? Oh, yeah. In the top of the seventh, you know, Eric Hosmer, I already talked about his defensive miscues in the last, like, week earlier in this episode and how, you know, there's pretty much no point in continuing to talk about it because it's just tired right now. Uh, there's... He, he's not going to get fixed, you know. They don't have Ron Washington working on pick drills with them hours before every game, every day. 
he's going to be the way he is. He doesn't make changes. He thinks his way, it's his way or the highway defensively at first. So I'm not holding out hope for him to change there. Um, but in the seventh inning, it was like MLB the show. I mean, grounder to uh, Garcia, number to Garcia, throws it to first. Hosmer, instead of going towards the bag at first base, instead of lunging at, uh, t- uh, towards uh, Garcia the throw, which was in front of the pitcher's mound, he stays with his foot on top of the bag, not on the side You know where you're lunging towards Garcia who's throwing the ball to you. Keeps his left foot. It looked like he would arrive late too. Kept his foot on the bag, and or on the base, and his foot is the farthest it can be away from where the throw is, on top of the base. And he like does this like squat thing to try to catch it. It's like he's afraid of the base runner. Guess what? You don't have to be afraid of the base runner if you just went and lunged towards the ball. You wouldn't be in the base path. Instead, he does that little thing. And now he's in danger of the the runner running him over. You know, like I have no idea what's going on with him. And the ball gets past him. Someone threw it to second. Might have been Nola or the catcher. Yeah, Nola was catching. I think today might have been him. Throws it to second base, and the runner continued to run because the throw was late to second. Continued to, to, to uh, run to third because he saw that Manny wasn't there. No one was there. And then Manny got there, and he was tagged out. I have the play here on Twitter. Let me find it for the YouTube audience. I mean, it was just a really, really wacky play. All right, I have the play. Let me load it up here. All right, so here's the play that I'm talking about. Yeah, he's got it. His throw will get away. And heading for second base is Haggerty. The throw will be late. No, he's covering third now. And he is, and he is out. Here it is again. Just tear it. It's hard. Garcia has got it. His throw will get away. Cosmer doesn't lunge towards the ball. Heading for second base is Haggerty. The throw will be. Throw a second. It's late. Continues to run. Third now, man. He is. And he is out. It was literally like an MLB The Show glitch. And the butt bit. It's hard. Literally. Garcia has got it. His throw will get away. Like an MLB The Show glitch. The runner continued to run. Never stopped. Rounding second base like it was an extra base hit to the right center gap. And he gets thrown out easily. But here's the play I want to show you. Or the angle I want to show you for anyone that missed it. That just shows how terrible Hosmer was here. Sure, sure. Yeah. yeah. This, this this was was a... That was an adventure. Yeah. Yeah. This, this was a... Look at this. His foot. Look at this. His left foot is the farthest it could be away from where the ball is coming from. It's not like the ball's close to where Haggerty is. Lunge towards the ball, Eric, to catch the ball. That's what a first baseman's supposed to do. Instead, he has his foot on top of the bag. It looked like he got there late. And he's scared of Haggerty coming towards him. I wonder why, Eric, because your left foot is... 
right in the middle of where Haggerty's supposed to be trying to run instead of on your side of the bag lunging towards the ball. Should have been an easy out instead of having Haggerty run nonstop from first to third and easily get tagged out. That was an adventure. Yeah, this was a... I mean, just unbelievable. This guy... Yeah, Annabelle asks, isn't that Garcia's fault? Yeah, it wasn't the best throw, but Eric, he should he still, if he would have lunged towards Garcia, he would have caught the ball. And I'm breaking this down like it like cost the Potters the game, and it was uh, that Diamondback game where hot, the final play of the game, Hosmer threw it to second where Abrams wasn't even there at the bag. I don't mean to break it down like that, but it's just endless of lowlights of Eric Hosmer playing defense. And it just continues to show that this guy is stuck in his ways, isn't going to change, deal with it. That's pretty much what he's telling us fans. That's what he's telling Manny. Oh, don't throw it. Don't throw it in the dirt because it's not a guarantee that he's going to pick you up. Oh, don't throw it up the line. Not a guarantee. You know, don't don't hop it. Got to throw it in the air because if you hop it, doesn't matter where you are from the diamond, you hop it. I could lunge into the base path to try to catch the ball. Just amazing. Just sometimes it leaves me speechless. Sometimes it, it, I'm laughing about it. It's just really, really weird. Um, but yeah, this game sucked. Yesterday sucked. Padres are outscored 14 to four by a Mariners team that was without Jesse Winker, was without Ty France, Taylor Trammell, Luis Torrens, uh, Mitch Haniger, a lot of guys. Jesse Winker was an all-star last year. He's serving a suspension, and they scored eight runs yesterday. They score six today. Unbelievable. I did want to touch on C.J. Abrams, and you know, because I've been talking about that possible uh, situation where when Tatis comes back, maybe he moves to center field. He's been shagging out there a little bit. He was he was at shortstop yesterday, center field today. So it seems like they're alternating, cause, just because the situation is probably fluid. Uh, again, I would try Ruiz out there before Tatis comes back, see what you have there. Um, but with Abrams, it seems like he's getting more comfortable with big league at-bats. Yeah, I know he didn't totally come through today. Uh, I, th- I think that was him with the bases loaded the third out of the inning and like the second inning where he flew out. Uh, he did have a sack fly today off Andres Munoz. Boy, would that be great to have Andres Munoz throwing 103 miles an hour, 101 mile an hour consistently. Oh, nope. Got to have Austin Nola. Have Luis Camposano who can hit pretty well, not giving him a chance at the big leagues because you have Austin Nola taking up room. Can't really throw runners out at second. He threw one out today, uh, but can't throw runners out at second on a pitch out. Would love to have Ty France. Would love to have Taylor Trammell. Would love to have... Andres Munoz, what did Dan Altavia do with the Padres? Like two appearances? That's great. Austin Adams last year set a record for hit batters. That trade's working out, AJ. Man, um, what was I talking about? Abrams. Yeah, so CJ Abrams, his, uh, he's got a hit in, his, in eight of his last ten games. So that's pretty good. Better than Grisham, I would think. I, haven't, I don't, I'm not looking at Grisham stuff right now. Um, but he went one for three today, one for three yesterday, a couple days without a hit, but then one, one for four against the Dodgers on June 30th, two for four 
against Arizona, one for four the day before that against Arizona, one for four, one for three, one for three. So we got a hit in uh, all three games in the Philly series, all two games in the Arizona series, and then a hit first game of that Dodgers series that he played. So seems like he's getting more confident. He made a good play defensively at the second base. He played short today, but a little – it was at second base. Um, I think he's getting more comfortable. I think he should get the majority of the starts – excuse me, sorry. I don't have a cough button. I think he should get the majority of the starts at shortstop over Kim. I know Kim's – he's up and down. Um. I think, you know, you have Abrams up. You got to see what he can give you, right? I see this question here. JD's third says, Ben, do you still have confidence in AJ Tingler Preller? Well, I understand why you're calling him Tingler Preller. Uh, I have confidence that it would make a move at the deadline. Just because it's, you know, it's, it's AJ Preller. Um, though, I don't know how much confidence I have in him, you know, like filling every need that we have, right? If that makes sense. I don't know if I have total confidence in that. Is my thing even plugged in here? Hold on one second. Here we go. I think my mic's, is my mic on? My mic might not have even been on this entire time. Sorry. So if you've just been hearing me, and I have, for the YouTube audience, I have a mic here. I, I You probably didn't even hear that the mic was on, and it was probably just me talking. You might have heard the AC. I have some AC on in here, or the fan on in here in my garage. Sorry about that. So, yeah, to answer that question, I have confidence that AJ will make a move. I just don't know if I have confidence that he'll, like, fill all of the needs that the Padre, like, I don't know if you'll add another bullpen arm. I don't know if you'll actually get like a real power, like a Ramon Laureano. Um, but I think he has no other option but to make a move to improve the offense somehow. And I think he will do that because he has to. Like, if they want to contend for a World Series, having an outfield of, you know, Profar, uh, I'm not mad about Profar, but Grisham in center field. I don't think that's going to do it. I think you should be playing Alfaro more often than Nola. They have been doing that. I know Alfaro's been dealing with the injury bug. Um, yeah, I, I still I still trust Preller. I, I still have confidence in him because he's not someone in the past that has sat back, excluding last year's trade deadline. I think last year he was relying on Tatis too much and relying on the talent that he had instead of addressing the needs, and he thought that the starting pitching would have come back and would have, you know, been, you know, healthy the entire year. That that just hasn't really, it, it didn't really happen last year. Annabella asked, uh, besides how the Potters are doing, how's life been? Just a quick life question. <laughs> cool. Um it's been fine. The pot, the Potters are a huge part of my life. So however the Potters are really doing, that's kind of how I'm feeling, you know. 
I'm sure a lot of you guys have that same feeling. You know, my family has season tickets. I'm going Thursday. I'm going Friday. I'm going Sunday. I went yesterday. Uh, I watch every game, clip highlights for every game, do pregame sh- shows before every game, bullpen charts before every game. Like, I'm so highly invested in the team. Like, however they're doing is kind of how I'm feeling. Um, so, but so asking besides how the Potters are doing, life's training me good. Yeah. I'm glad to be, I'm blessed to be living in San Diego, you know? So I, I appreciate that question. Darth Vader says last year, Preller was getting players available in trade. Is Jake Marisnik who you're talking about? Where they gave up, uh, what's his name? Anderson Espinoza, who never really turned out, but they gave up him for a defensive first center fielder when we already had a defensive first center fielder. The guy that hit maybe one home run when he was with the Padres after the trade deadline, that guy decided to go after him and acquire him with like a minute left before the deadline instead of any starting pitching at all whatsoever. And then later that day, Weathers gets shelled, Paddock gets hurt during a bullpen, and you know two months later you got Jake Arrieta faking hamstring injuries and uh, Vince Velasquez starting games after being released by the Phillies. I mean, no, he, he wasn't good at the deadline. Yeah, Johnny, you're right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He didn't get the players that the Padres probably, or at least Padres fans wanted. I'm not so sure, like, who he had his sights on. Like, there's been conflicting, there were conf- conflicting reports back then about how in they were on Scherzer. And Rosenthal was talking to Nationals people when he was saying that the Padres were close to a deal for Scherzer, upping the Dodgers' price. The Padres got used there. It didn't seem like they were, like, really close to acquiring Scherzer, but it got all of our hopes up. And it, and then there was, like, no talk leading up to the deadline or even after, like, the starting pitchers that they were in on. Like, there was, it didn't seem like they were going after you know, the Jose Barrioses and those type guys. Uh, any starting pitching. Not even like Zach Davies. They, they didn't go after anyone. Um, so, you know, getting back to right now, I, I kind of want to focus on right now, focusing on last year and the collapse doesn't make really a whole lot of sense because this year's a totally different team. They're not collapsing. It's a bad stretch. They're 2-8 and eight in their last 10. Okay. You got Joe Musgrove on the mound. Fast forwarding to uh, Thursday, they got the City Connect jerseys on Friday. Um, Thursday, Ted Leitner's going into the Hall of Fame. Larry Lucchino's going into the Hall of Fame, the Padres Hall of Fame, that is. Uh, so that'll be cool to go see live. I'm going to the Padres member BP on Friday. Uh, I'm giving away one of the Padres BP tickets, by the way. So go on Twitter at Talking Friars for that giveaway if you're interested. You have to have a ticket to the game on Friday for that. That's at 3 o'clock. So the info is on my Twitter, and I'll be giving that away probably later today. Um, But just fast-forwarding, talking about the Giants a little bit here, how they're doing this year. Um, From what I've seen, they have not been doing too hot as of late. Right now... They're 40 and 38, third place in the National League West. 
So they're definitely not the same team that they were last year. They, I think they just lost Anthony DiScafani for the year. It's going to be a great pitching matchup on Thursday. That'll be at. That'll be fun. Musgrove against Logan Webb. Maybe it won't be that fun because the Padres' offense has to face Logan Webb. And if he's if he pitches anything like he pitched last year, I haven't watched a ton of Logan Webb, but if he pitches anything like he pitched last year, it's going to be a trouble. It's going to be another long night for the Padres' offense. But that's the matchup on Thursday. The Giants have to finish up their series against the Diamondbacks, though. I don't know if you guys saw this, but Mad Bum wore like a, an American flag walking out to the bullpen yesterday during July 4th before their game. I thought that was a joke, but he actually did that. So right now, LME.com doesn't say that Logan Webb's starting on Thursday against the Padres at Petco at 640, but Valley Sports San Diego did. So maybe they saw something we didn't. Blake Snell's scheduled to start on Friday. That's at 640. On Saturday, you Darvish is scheduled to go. Uh, no starters have been named according to MLB.com according to, uh, on the Giants side of things. Saturday's game's at 4.15 on Fox. And Sunday's game, 1.10. Mackenzie Gore is supposed to be on the mound. So Musgrove on Thursday, Snell on Friday, Darvish on Saturday, Gore on Sunday. It's the same four-game lineup as the Dodgers series last weekend. Hopefully, they don't lose three out of four. They win three out of four. To be honest, because of being two and eight in their last 10 games, I'd like the Padres to, I don't think it would be very acceptable to split the series. I know it's hard to win a series, but you just lost three out of four to the Dodgers where the offense was pretty much non-existent the first 35 innings of that series. You didn't break out until the 36th inning. And in this series, you get outscored by a Seattle team that was without some of their key offensive players, 14 to four by 10 runs, you know? So I think they need to take three out of four. And the Giants aren't the same team as they were last year. They're two games over 500. They might be four games over 500 or not four. Yeah, four. Might be four games over 500 by the time that they play the Padres. But um, it. They, I think they need to win three out of four. The point is the Giants are not a great team. And the Padres just lost two to not a great team. Hopefully they can reverse that and win against not a great team. Um, going through the comments here. Darth Vader agrees, saying the Padres are not in a collapse. Alfaro has six home runs in part-time. Like, you mean, like, not starting every day? Johnny says, and for Adam Frazier at an all-star first, and the, and when they got him, he fell off a cliff. You're right. I didn't even mention him. Talking about, that was probably like 10 minutes ago where I was talking about A.J. Preller not really filling the Padres' needs. Last year, they acquire Adam Frazier. It was like a week before the trade deadline. Out of nowhere, I think on a Sunday, I remember I was here, family was at my house, and my cousin Jacob and I, I was like, we got to do a reaction to this. Like, Adam Frazier, an all-star. We were excited about it. But I just didn't know where he was going to fit in. And it turned out he didn't fit in. He didn't hit for average like he did in Pittsburgh. And he was just like a hole in the lineup, another hole, part of that collapse. Uh, it seemed like he was well-liked in the clubhouse. I don't know if you guys saw, but he and Musgrove were doing a July 4th celebration last night after their game. 
because it was a day game. Uh, and Crony was talking a lot with him too. JD's third, six and twelve in their last eighteen games. Long bad stretch, right? Yeah, but when we're talking about a collapse like last year, that was over like seventy games. Like you gotta remember, last year they finished with a losing record. A team that was probably the second best at some points last year, the best team in the National League. They finished under 500. That's a collapse. Right now, eight of last 10, and I don't know if that's correct, but 12 of their last 18, if that's correct, JD's third, they're still 11 games over 500 without their best player and without their starting right fielder and without their eighth inning guy and without probably a seventh inning guy in Jose Castillo, you know, and more home, you know, that, uh, and, you know, it's, they've had a lot of times, you know, where Bob Melvin's not managing and they've had to go, they've had to go to Ryan Christensen and Ryan Christensen not managing. And they've had to gone to Ryan. They've had to go. If I can talk, right. They've had to go to Ryan Flaherty to manage, you know, uh, and bring Mike Shilton. Like they've had some bad circumstances this year and they're still 11 games over 500. I'll repeat. They had a losing record last year. That's a collapse after being one of the best teams in baseball in the first half of the season. There's still 11 games over 500. And this team, I think, is, has more talent than last year's team did. They didn't have Ryan, or last year they had Ryan Weathers and Chris Paddock starting games. This year, the Padres have Mackenzie Gore and Shamanaya and Mike Clevenger being the three, four, five starters, right? That's a big difference. I don't, I don't miss Emilio Pagan. You know, Mark Melanson sucks this year. We have Taylor Rogers, who is probably going to be in the All-Star game. Um, the Padres are in a good spot still. Like, yeah, does this suck? Of course it does. Are the Padres playing bad right now? Yes, of course they are. But it's still not a collapse. It's a bad stretch. And until they have a losing record or they fall completely out of a playoff spot, and Fernando, his injury, uh, you know, his return from his injury is delayed for another month or whatever, like the most disastrous outcome you could think of. Until that happens, it's not a collapse. It's not, you know, it's not like the worst case scenario, you know. It's still disappointing. And if you think it's a collapse, I don't blame you. It might, you know, over the last 10 games, it's a collapse, but it's not, a, it, look at, Looking at it from a big, wide view, it's not a collapse. So I'll ask Ben, who would you like for another bat? For me, it's Josh Bell and Brian Reynolds. Well, Josh Bell, maybe, but you'd think that they'd be trading Hosmer if that were to happen, and the Nationals wouldn't do that because the Nationals are rebuilding, so they're not going to take on salary. And Brian Reynolds, in the offseason, the Pirates are asking for way too much. I don't think their price tag would change a whole lot. And I'm not giving up C.J. Abrams for Brian Reynolds. I'd be hesitant to give up Robert Hassel. I'm definitely not giving up James Wood. I'm definitely not giving up Mackenzie Gore, especially when you consider that worst-case scenario, the Padres have like four starters next year, uh, instead of, and they're not going to have Nick Martinez, Clevenger, Manaya, Musgrove. I still think Musgrove's coming back, but I'm just saying worst-case scenario. All four of those guys are technically free agents at the end of the season. If Martinez... Uh, you know, get, he has a player option. So if he elects for agency and all four of those guys leave, now you got a rotation of Snell, who's been inconsistent with the Padres, Darvish, 
uh, Gore if you keep him, and then Morahone, right? If you trade away uh, Gore just because you want more offense, and Brian Reynolds, by the way, he'd probably play left field. You trade away Gore, that's probably going to be really, really bad for your pitching future, your starting pitching future. Uh, I know you want to win right now, but Gore is still helping you win right now, too. And Jerickson Profar, the position that Brian Reynolds plays in left field, or I think that Brian Reynolds would play if he were traded to the Padres, Profar is playing that position, and Profar is playing pretty well. Second most assists among, assists among outfielders uh, in Major League Baseball this season. I think he has eight throughout Mookie Betts on Sunday at the plate and continues to throw guys out, and he continues to be the leadoff hitter for this team. You know, he's playing better than Grisham. Uh, he's playing better than Mazzara, Azokar. You know, uh, again, I'll, I'll say this. I hope they can bring up Esther Ruiz and see what he does, see how he, what he has. Don't know when they're, when they're going to do that. I've talked to Jim Callis, and he thinks that September is a realistic timeline. But, like, okay, maybe if you want to bring, bring him up in September, like, full time, and then has a little bit under his belt, and then you go into spring training and he makes the roster next year. But, like, trying, I, I think it should definitely be, like, right now. Try him. Try it before Tatis comes back so you can have a better plan of where Tatis best fits in with the team. You know? Because Grisham right now, unless he turns it around, he's not cutting it to be every, the everyday center fielder. I'm not saying that he can't start some games, but every day... It's getting tough to watch. Darth Vader asks, when's the last time the Padres have been in a postseason since, or before 2014? Well, they didn't make it in 2014. They made it in 2020, and then they made it in 2006 when they won the division and then lost to the Cardinals. If you want to say 2007, okay, but they didn't have a wild card game back then. It was a play-in game, like a hundred, game 163, where Matt Holiday didn't touch home plate. That was that game. So that's your answer. Long time. Haven't made the playoffs in a full season. Actually made the postseason since 2006. I think this team is still on track. Still on, Through 81 games, I think they were on pace for 94 wins. And 81 games was a couple games ago. So it's not like their on-pace win total is like 80 now. You know, it's, it's still probably around 90. I still think they're in a good spot. And this pace is with is probably them. It's probably the fan grass people just looking at the numbers, the, their record. Not looking at, okay, we're going to get back a lot of high leverage relievers. Their best player, starting right fielder. You know, uh, potential one of their top prospects coming up in Esther Ruiz, if that happens. I don't think they're looking at that. I think they're just looking at how many games the Padres have won so far, and they're just saying, well, they're on pace. If they continue this, they're on pace for 90-plus wins, you know? So it could be higher. That's my point when Tatis and those guys come back. Uh, anything else to talk about? Obviously, this was a disappointing series. I keep pointing to Esther Ruiz as a potential solution. I think Jose Castillo should be brought up. Two runs he's allowed last year. Uh, Taylor Scott, they burned him on July 4th yesterday. I thought he pitched pretty well. Gave up the double off the wall, bases clearing. But I thought he pitched pretty well. Uh, he spells Taylor with an E. T-A-Y-L-E-R instead of with an O. 
that that's kind of weird. Um, I thought he pitched pretty well, but he's burnt. He threw like 40-plus pitches. So I, I felt like Jose Castillo was the no-brainer to bring up today because he didn't pitch yesterday in El Paso, for El Paso uh, in Houston against Sugarland, the Astros affiliate. But they didn't bring him up. So who knows what's happening there. Potters with an off day tomorrow, a much-needed off day. Just clear your head, get away from baseball, and then come back on Thursday and go get a win for Ted Leitner and Larry Lucchino. Ted does not want to be there and see this Padres team lose. Does not want to be there and see Joe Musgrove on the mound and the Padres offense not score any runs and go one for 11 with runners in scoring position like they did today or go one for 17 with runners in scoring position like they did in these last two games against the Mariners, you know? doesn't want to see a start of a four-game series where they, you know, fast-forward four days later and they lose three out of four. Doesn't want to see that. Don't want to let the Giants creep back in. Phillies have been playing pretty well since uh, Bryce came out. Bryce is still an amazing player. He's still their most valuable player, but they're playing well. Uh, And the Padres right now, what is the wild card situation like? Let me look. Wild card standings. Dodgers are winning the West. Mets winning the East. Milwaukee's winning the Central. Again, it's an expanded playoff, so there's six teams. So the Padres right now are the second wild card team behind Atlanta. Atlanta's 47 and 34. The Padres are 47 and 36. Um, St. Louis is behind the Padres. They are two and a half games behind the Padres for the second wild card spot. The Padres are three and a half games clear of Philadelphia for a wild card spot, period. Philadelphia is one game back of St. Louis for that third wild card. So, yeah, the gap has definitely shrunk, but still not a collapse yet. But it is weird just looking at the run differentials. St. Louis, they have the third wild card spot behind the Padres. Padres are the second, but they their run differential is much better than the Padres. They've scored 62 more runs this season, the Cardinals have, than the Padres have, or excuse me, they've scored 62 more runs this season than they have allowed. Yeah, that's what run differential is. Um, And the Padres have scored only 48 more runs than they have allowed. Plus 48 for the Padres, their run differential, plus 62 for the Cardinals. And the Padres find themselves uh, above the Cardinals in the wildcard standing. And that run differential would be a lot worse if they did not have this quality of a rotation like they had, you know, this year. Uh, Just going through the comments here. Any last comments? It was a two-game series, and we're already almost at an hour. I didn't know. I didn't think I was going to get almost to an hour. I was planning on having this be a shorter episode, but, hey, I love talking baseball and Padres, and I get passionate about it. And I enjoy that you guys do too. Darth Vader says, don't lose your hair, Padres fans. St. Louis is no longer first in the National League Central. Milwaukee got it back. Yep. Yeah, I talked about that. Milwaukee is 47 and 35 right now. The Mets are 50 and 30. Their run differential is plus 60. So just let's put this in perspective and just see how fortunate the Padres are compared to the Dodgers right now. 
The Padres are 47 and 36. The Dodgers are 50 and 29. So the Padres right now are what six games back of the Dodgers? Dodgers haven't played yet tonight. So no five. Sorry. So Padres are five games back of the Dodgers right now. Their run differential is 92 runs worse than the Dodgers, but they're five games back. That's it. So we got to be, you know, really, really thankful that that's where we stand right now. Lost three out of four, and our run differential is nowhere near where the Dodgers' run differential is. Our run differential is plus 48. The Dodgers is plus 140. We're three games over 500 at home. They are 11 games over 500 at home. You know, like we just got to be thankful that we're still, I guess, in striking distance. I mean, five games back is still a lot when it's the Dodgers we're talking about. But we just got to be grateful that that's the situation the Padres are in right now. Um, and yeah, Saul, you say the Giants are struggling as well. Uh, yeah, we talked about that earlier a little bit. That's why I think the Padres need to take three out of four in this series against uh, the Giants at Petco this weekend because the Giants aren't the same team that they were last year. They, you know, Losing Buster Posey, that definitely hurts. Don't have Anthony DiScafani, I don't think, right now. That hurts. And Logan Webb starting Thursday, so that's going to be a tough game, but the Padres have Joe Musgrove on the mound. So that's good. that should be a really good matchup. And you got you Darvish, Blake Snell, and Mackenzie Gore behind him. Those are all good pitchers. Darvish, I wouldn't expect him to give up three home runs in his in the first inning on Saturday. So I think the pitching can give them a good chance to win this series. Can the offense show up? That's the question. Feels like that's the question I've been asking for the last week and a half. And most of the time, the answer is no to that. So we'll see. Um, I'll probably be back. What's today? Today is Tuesday. So maybe on Thursday before the Giants game. I'll be back maybe Thursday morning or whenever that is uh, with an episode. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, probably Padres All-Stars for this year because it is July 5th and All-Star games in the middle of July. So who are the Padres All-Stars? I think that's who I'm talking about or what I'm talking about. And also, I'll probably talk about the playoff picture and if the Padres, if we should be worried about some other teams creeping into that playoff discussion if this team doesn't turn it around with that wild card picture. So that's what it is to look forward to. I'm scheduled to have someone from MLB Network on the show on Friday. Uh, I, I don't want to say their name in case they cancel uh, or the schedule scheduling doesn't work out. But someone from MLB Network is supposed to come on the show on Friday, so stay tuned for that. Hopefully that happens. And this has been episode 193 of the Talking Friars podcast and YouTube show. I'm your host, Ben Fadden. Enjoy the night, everyone. Try to get away from baseball. Padres get back uh, an off day tomorrow. Get back on Thursday with Joe on the mound. Hopefully it starts off better uh, and they can turn things around, start to turn things around. All right. See everybody. Have a good one.